TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts, Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Christoph, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to The Wellness Guys. I'm Lawrence Tam. I'm Damien Christoph. And I'm Brett Hill. And this is The Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into your lives. And today we have a very special guest. If you have not noticed on The Wellness Couch, boys, we are really excited to bring on a whole bunch of shows. But more importantly, there's one particular show that's getting rave reviews and comments Left, right, and center is just massive. Brett, would you like to introduce our special guest for today? I would love to introduce our special guest for today. Our special guest today is actually a good friend of mine, someone who I first met actually at one of our cave camps. Um, she's a mum. She's a homeschooler with a couple of amazing kids and a really cool family that do some amazing stuff. She's a wellness coach, and she's also now a podcaster, as you said, on the Wellness Couch with A Quirky Journey with the amazing Joe Witten. So... Welcome to the show, Leah Follett. Thank you very much for having me. So excited to have you here. So, Leah, you've had an amazing journey. Obviously, a lot of your journey has, I guess, started with your family. Um, mm-hmm. So, do you want to give us a bit of a background into into how you know what happened with your family and and why you started getting more interested in health and wellness and why you decided to change some of your lifestyle behaviours? Oh, okay, cool. So, I think I'll start with. Um, I thought I was pretty healthy at 65 kilos, but I was doing all the health compromising behaviors like the excess coffee and the stress, you know, working two jobs and a mortgage and then overtraining, um, lack of understanding of nutrition. And then I decided that because I'm, you know, I'm 65 kilos, I'm in my prime, I was going to have a baby. And I went from 65 kilos to 104. So that's, that's quite, you know, an increase in weight for a first time Mm. mother. Um, I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes and I ate the way the doctor had promoted and I did everything I was supposed to. I read all the books, I went to all the classes and I still had this massive weight gain. At the end of the day, I gave birth to a five kilo baby. Jeepers. Yeah. So wow. that's not, that's, that was a pretty big deal for um, Bundaberg Base Hospital. Yes. Um, so from that, we hit all our milestones. Till about did you get in the newspaper? No, I didn't, but you know those nice little Percet's cribs they put your babies in in the hospital? Well, mine, its feet touched the bottom oh. and its head touched the top. It's going to have to stick two, two together. Babies. That's right. Yeah, it had these two babies on either side of it in the nursing ward, yeah. and then the nurse took one of the babies out, and it looked like mine had reached over and eaten another baby. It was just this absolute monster. That it read the book How to Eat an Elephant. Yeah, uh... definitely did. Definitely. <laughs> um, so I had this absolutely massive baby and we hit all our milestones and everything was good to about 18 months and then we started seeing some decline in the milestones Ah. Uh, anxiety he always had a snotty nose which ended up in bronchial like chest infections um you know his skin wasn't great i don't know we had explosive diarrhea which i won't go into oh i'm sure damien would love oh come on let's get going yeah we can talk all about that and then i would put him in the car seat and I'd turn around to get my nappy bag, and when I turned back, he would have filled his nappy and the car seat with poop. All up his back. All up his back, all down his legs, everywhere. Poor and guy. it was the, the ferocity of what was coming out of him. You know, no nappy could contain that. So <laughs> whatever he was eating, it was just going straight through him. Wow. Uh, so I very much doubt he – I think he was nutritionally starved and, and all those other things that were going on. Yeah. Um, he had – didn't develop language, so he was three and a half before he put three words together. So that was, where's the ball? And that was his, his word. So, but he was our first child, and we didn't know any better. We just assumed he was quiet and, you know, just assumed he'd come, over, come on in his own time. And it wasn't until we sent him to school, so he started 
in Queensland with pre-prep and then they do prep in grade one. So he was four when he started school and they said, you know, he can't use scissors, he doesn't interact, he doesn't make a lot of eye contact, we have to guide him everywhere. So there was lots of these things that we didn't understand that were part of autism essentially. So by the time he was six, nearly seven, we ended up with a kid with an expressive and receptive language disorder or delay as well as moderate autism. Yeah. And by that time, we had our second child, Gabriel, and we knew what we were looking for in his problems and his symptoms. And we could see that we had another similar child at the different end of the spectrum, but we had another one of the same. Huh. So we went to autism conferences, met some biomedical doctors, jumped on their bandwagon, did, you know, fecal analysis, hair analysis. We sent urine to America for testing because they didn't have it here in Australia at the time. This was it's nearly, this is... Oh, probably about six years ago. So we had, you know, money pouring out of there. We didn't put any money on our mortgage for that entire year and we just poured it into these kids. And we went from having these highly toxic babies or highly toxic children that had all these autism traits and all these problems that made up their diagnosis. And in three years' time, the, you know, that we could send them back to school. Pulling them out of school was part of our decision to help heal William's gut. With the anxiety, we just realised that, the amount of stress that he was under, he wasn't digesting his food and he wasn't eating at school. So in order to fix him, I suppose we pulled him out and we were going to catch him up and we we're going to reintegrate him back into school when his digestive system was all working and, and we, you know, after we had all the pieces of the puzzle in place. Leah, but can we just go back a few steps there, right? Yeah. We made a massive yeah, yeah. leap because I was thinking, oh, okay, so, you know, little fella... You know, young age, big poos. I kind of got stuck on that for a little bit. Then I realised yeah. that we were still talking, and then so I thought, oh, maybe there was something that he was eating that was, you know, happening. And then all of a sudden, he's got snotty nose, and now all of a sudden, he's been taken out of school. So, at what point did he get diagnosed with autism? And did you pick up yeah. anything along the way that you kind of go, that's the reason? Like, have you found well, out? Okay, so. I don't think that vaccinations are the cause of autism. Right. But I do believe that when you look at the genetics or epigenetics or wherever you're coming from, you have to identify that some of these kids do not have the capacity to excrete toxins or heavy metals. Okay. So I think that essentially added to the load. Right. It, wasn't, it was one of those things that just broke, broke the camel's back. So um, it was just like a toxic load... That it just was got just a in. toxic load, and I, you know, like I was using Domestos in my house. I was meticulous with my cleaning, and I, I clean the floor and then put him on the floor, so that right. would be adding to his load. Okay. I'd go to the shopping centre, and then you know you have all the nail bars and the hairdressers and all those other things that adds to his load. So just, mm. it, I was just, the, I'm just lucky that you know my kids have they don't excrete things as well as everybody else, and their body likes to store them, and I think that toxicity ends up being stored in the brain and and messes with you know, functioning cognitive abilities and, and those sorts of things. And so he was so, just that unlucky kid that copped that, it seems. Yeah, yeah an, right. unlu an unlucky kid. And yeah. maybe quite possibly after all my reading, all these years down the track, I should have held off with the vaccinations until he was about six, until I knew what was going on. Or you know, when I looked at um, Natasha Campbell McBride's book, you know, The Gut and Psychology Syndrome, she's not advocating that we don't use vaccinations because, you know, for whatever reason, she's saying you do them when your child is healthy, you do it by case by case, you prepare the child's body and then you give it to them. So I think if I had known that, I mean, hindsight, great thing, but if I had known that, then I probably should have done that option with, well, definitely both of my children, but I hadn't learnt the lesson 
by the time I had Gabriel, and I did the same thing with him. Well, so, Leah, you know, you know, one of the things is that uh, I just want, I'm, you know, it's it's an amazing story. They like, obviously the the impact on you and your family. I mean, you, yeah. you, and I'm talking. I'm just looked at the one line you just sort of said. You said, you know, the financial obligation that you needed to put towards your child mm-hmm. uh, and your children, and uh, couldn't put money towards a mortgage. And um, I mean, that stress, the amount of stress. Like, let's talk a little bit about you here, okay, for yeah. a second, because. I mean, the amount of stress that's uh, placed on you and, and your husband um, mm-hmm. must have been massive. So what are some of the things? You know, okay, so the, obviously we know the effect on the child and obviously, but I want to know, like, how did it affect you? How did, how did your impact, how did your health, um, you know, how was that affected, if at all? And what did you do to kind of bring yourself out of that? Okay. Well, once you get over the mummy guilt, once you get over the diagnosis and all that other stuff, it's more of an, an action plan. And I'm really lucky that I suffer a few of these same afflictions that my children suffer. So I was never formally diagnosed, but the more I learn about them, the more I realise that my um, my drive and my get-go and my inability to sit still is all part of ADHD. Yeah. So no. Yeah. No. Come on, Brett, you know. So for me, I haven't really ever had any downtime or any want to have any downtime either. Even when I'm sitting still, I'm spinning. Like I've got a spinning wheel and I spin fibre. You know, like I'm constantly busy. But, yeah, Mark is the calm one. He's absolutely flappable. He's bomb-proof. And he's always been my rock. And then just getting to a point where we met a physician, we met, a, you know, an amazing doctor, and we just put all our faith in him and we just did what we needed to do. And the reason why we decided to take the approach and throw all our money at it and, and do everything as, you know, in such a concentrated time frame was that we could see that they were both getting worse and worse. So we wanted to stop it in its tracks before it developed and before the language got worse and the communication got worse and, and the behaviours and the rocking and all those other things. So that was kind of, yeah, we spoke to our bank manager who's awesome and we just went to interest-free and that's what we were paying. We were just paying the interest off our, our home loan, nothing more. And it was just absolute basic minimum. And we just put it all down our kids' throats. And that's that's the choice we made. And it was rewarding. It was a hard one to do. But we just went into lockdown. We didn't see anyone for, you know, nearly three years. We stayed on our little farm. And we just, you know, grew our own vegetables and, and hung out just as a family, just as a, a recovery thing. Um, it was almost like going into, you know, like an, an one of those, um, I don't know, recovery clinics for Alcoholics Anonymous. But... It was easier for us to do that than to be able than taking the kids out into the community and having all those chemicals undo all the hard work that we had because we had this pristine environment where we could see the kids getting better and better. And now we've removed the load. We're living in Sydney and it doesn't seem to affect them as, as much. We haven't had we haven't gone backwards because their guts are now working and they can process those toxins. That's- you know what? Oh, Sorry, I just wanted to say, like, I, I, I really commend you, Leah, for, you know, a couple of reasons. And one being that you taken, um, obviously, it was hard. I mean, I'm sure you, it was a, an amazing journey that, you know, in a sense, because it transformed to who you are today. Um, you, I commend you for being able to go look and search 
for answers. Um, it's because I'm sure for a lot of parents who might be listening who wouldn't even know where to look and where to begin. Access to information is a little bit easier now, um, yeah, you know, with internet is. and podcast and everything else. However, uh-huh. it's still challenging because there's so much information out there. And, Absolutely. you know, I commend you for kind of sift through that, you know, sift through all that information well, and being able to take it and, and also transform it into your life now to what you're doing now. Mm. Yeah. And well, I, we can see now looking back, and I suppose being um, a wellness coach, I. I'm trying to fast track other people's journeys. I'm trying to, I've made all the mistakes and I've gone down the rabbit holes and some therapies have been brilliant and some haven't. And, you know, when you bring in other therapies and other modalities, it's, you've got to pick and choose the time at which you bring those in. So for me, it's what we're doing now. And Mark's also doing some coaching as well as his other job. But we're just, you know, families have come on board and, and are just sort of mirroring what we're doing. Like we're not telling anyone that, this is what they should be doing, but this is our path. And if you can see anything in, in our path and in our information that might spur on your research or your further education. So it's kind of like using us as a sounding board. What works, what didn't, what therapies would you use first over this one? So just to get people, it's, you know, moving and probably saving them a little bit of stress and a little bit of money, knowing that someone else has done the journey and to great effect, I think is is the the biggest thing. And I kind of wish that I was that person. I wish I was the health coach I needed way back when. (laughs) I wish I found me, but I didn't. So I got to find someone else. Leah, it's an amazing journey you've been on. And it's interesting, you know, we spoke before about, you know, maybe your kids are a bit unlucky, but I almost look at it the other way. And I actually think that your kids are really lucky because... I know, they saved us, right? Yeah. and, And for a lot of kids out there, they don't have perhaps as obvious symptoms or they don't have parents who are who are just as gung-ho about going out and finding the right information and and making those huge changes and so i think for your kids they're they're lucky in that they've had the ability to to discover it early to make those changes to create a lifestyle that's going to see them just thrive from here on in so you know as much as you can think of it as being unlucky i think you can think of it as being really lucky as well I know, I know. Well, I didn't know I had an autoimmune disease at the time and when I had William and all of that stuff came out and now it's non-existent. It doesn't, I'm sure it's still there. I'm sure it's still that that chink in the armour or, but it's not, it doesn't affect me on a daily basis and I feel that through the diet and lifestyle that we've created for our kids, I'm benefiting from it as well and, you know, like I've changed my parents and what they're doing with their problems and issues and and so many other people as well. So, and those people are part of our family. So, it's been a, it has been a blessing. At the time, I didn't see it as a blessing and I wallowed and and did the whole pity thing and, oh, we're never going to be able to achieve and what am I going to do with these kids? But now that I've done all of this, man, it's it's a good journey. I could highly recommend it to anyone (laughs) if you're, you know, like don't hide from it. And Leah, I love your story of how you ended up sort of doing wellness coaching because really, I mean, you guys were just the perfect example of leading by example and then and then people kind of finding you. So can you tell us, you know, who was your first coaching client and how did you end up getting into coaching? Okay. Well, you actually know my first coaching clients, right? You've met them. Yeah. Do I? Do you want to have a guess? Oh. It's a couple. Oh, I do. I get, I'm guessing it's Mark? No. No? No. Jamie and Julie. Oh, and Jamie Julie, there you go. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Jamie had issues with sinuses and he'd had operations for that and Julie had had her own struggles, And mm. but they had seen what we had done with our kids over a few years and they they sort of asked us some questions and we're like, yeah, come for dinner. And we call it the last supper because once you come for dinner, you leave the house and you don't go back to the same way you were eating. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, like we just bombard you with information. They have to open the door, you know, like they're the ones knocking and we're just like, yep, come in, let's do this. 
and they came and had the last dinner with us and then they went home and we didn't hear from them for a whole month. And then they rang up and said, guess what we've done? And they had gone through the withdrawals of going off sugar, the gluten and dairy and all those things and had started mirroring what we were doing. So I wasn't actually coaching. I didn't realize I didn't develop a coaching business, but people came into our lives when they needed us and we just gave them the same information that we had and the skills that we had fine-tuned that had been successful for us. And at the end of the day, it's, you know, obeying circadian rhythms, like getting to, to bed at a reasonable hour, not overtraining, eating whole foods, you know, minus the grains and the dairy for us, you know, no refined sugars, you know, burning fats as an energy source, uh, you know, looking into your spirituality and your emotional connections as well as your social position within the community and, and gratitude. So that's kind of what we did with them and, and coming to cave camp and us making them come with us was kind of part of our, our coaching was just like, look, this is, <laughs> this is your community because that was missing for them. So, you know, like they were the only ones doing that in their, you know, in their environment, in their house, and they had to change things for their kids. And, and I think not ostracized, I don't want to use that word, but you, why are you doing this? You're not actually really sick. You've just got a sniffy nose. You've just got a few ailments. Take a Panadol. So bringing that in, bringing that part of that I saw that was missing was the community in the sense of this is bigger than what your household is. You've got people around you if you just reach out. So getting them to come to cave camp with us was kind of part of, of what they were doing. But really, I haven't, I don't advertise for clients. People just turn up and they take what they need and then they're off again, off and running again. And that's the way I like it. It's just education. It's uh, it's kind of refreshing actually for me, Leah, because I've actually never really known what a um, what a health coach does. And what it seems to me is it's kind of like a little buddy, like that holds your hand and um, and you, you kind of get to share a bit of your own experience as opposed to expertise. And so I, I think a lot of people along the way have become a little bit confused about what a health coach actually is. Is it someone that's actually experienced, or is it someone that's actually had some experience, or you know, or you know? Do you know what I mean? So I think in what you've just said, it's become very clear that really what it is, is the opportunity to have, have we lost Leah? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, <laughs> you dropped off Sorry. there, I think. That's all right. It looked like you dropped out. Um, it, it seems like that people have the opportunity to learn from someone else who's had an experience and, right. uh, and can share their experience as opposed to share their education. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well... I have Bachelor of Teaching and I started after our diagnosis. I didn't understand what my doctors were saying. So I went and studied 12 months of a Bachelor of Science and then I went and did health coaching, you know, course. So there is some level of accreditation there. But before, like I've been coaching a lot longer than all of that sort of happened and before qualifications. And really the role of a health coach is, help, you know, to help you see the imbalances in your life to identify those and work out how on earth you're going to bring that into your life for you know, for healing. And for the most of it, it's getting people to understand that it's not about the current crisis care, you know, modal, you know, modality of health and healing where you go to a doctor every time you're sick. You have to put these people in place and have these people on your team to make sure you're well, you, you know, with chiropractics to make sure everything's alignment. So then you can, you're digesting and you're resting and you can move with ease or, you know, the same with kinesiology or any of those other different modalities. You know, the role of the health coach is, is to help you set, set yourself up with a team and give you some information and keep spurring you on, just like a, you know, like a sports coach or, you know, like a boot camp or personal trainer. So it's just, it's exactly the same thing. 
um, from my point of view. It's someone else that there, is there to, to back you, um, yeah. you know, until, until you can do it on your own. You know, it's and for, for the people I see, I only see them once or twice and then they've got the confidence and they've got the information and they've got the tools. So it's, it's not amazing. a long process. Well, mm. It's amazing to see, like, you know, to, to take someone um, who struggles with their health or struggles with anything and then being able to really impart some wisdoms or some guidance or just be just someone's having accountability to kind of guide them to that next level. And yeah. it's, a, it's a great reward for yourself and also for the person in front of you. And I think that's how we're going to be able to change. Now, l- let's go back to mm-hmm. you know, your family and how have, you know, your life changed because of you know, in terms of dealing well, you know, being a health coach and, and, and helping others, how have you imparted some of those ideas and, and put that into work back to your family? Because you're a mother of two, two kids, two beautiful kids. And I'm sure, you know, the listeners out there have, you know, kids and want to know, like, what do you do at home? Um, oh, and what, okay. what is your daily routines nowadays to, sure. to make your life uh, okay. you know, a healthy All journey? Right. So firstly, I've switched one kind of crazy, which is the packing lunches and the school rush for another kind of crazy, which is starting our day with a hot cooked breakfast we've got the kids get two eggs scrambled with some onions and some mushrooms and maybe half of the plate is probably salad and say sauerkraut so yeah I'm spending more time in the kitchen first up but I feed them such a nutrient-dense food that they're not looking for snacks and it'll be one o'clock before they start to whinge about food they'll get themselves a carrot or, or whatever and then after they've had say breakfast we start doing the homeschooling And that has been an amazing thing because they're not anxious. They're not leaving the house. I'm not stressed, so I'm not pushing that on them as well. Everyone's calm. We work kind of a traditional model of homeschooling. Being a teacher, that always comes first in me. So I've just changed the classroom scenario to one very, very similar in my home. So, you know, then we've got our our, um, meetups and groups and things like that we do as part of the homeschooling model. But with Gabriel and having the hyperactivity side of things, he's kind of like a border collie or a husky where you've got to run him a certain amount of time per day and he can't sit and stand or he stands rather than sits um, to do his work. So being able to meet their needs in that day and sort of say, all right, well, fine, no one can concentrate at this point. Everyone's stressed for whatever reason. Let's go and do an excursion. And we usually do it on foot. So that sort of makes up the majority of our day. And in the evening, um, you know, coming back to the kitchen, usually it's like roast meats and things done in the slow cooker. And, you know, we, the iPads and all the TVs get turned off at um, six o'clock so we can start to, you know, convert is it the melatonin from serotonin or whatever that conversion is and start to wind down into our, our night and our sleep patterns. So we don't, we're not confined to the daily stresses that everybody else has as far as leaving the house for work and being a health coach, that's allowed me to stay at home and work from home as well. You know, like we're not hiding away, but we're picking and choosing when, we, when we're leaving the house and when it's the most appropriate. It's, it's, there's no point in setting my kids up to, for failure by dragging them off to the shops at 9 o'clock in the morning when it's peak traffic and all this other stuff. So we're still out there. We're still living it. We're still doing it, but we've got the flexibility and with my job and with their education, we can pick and choose based off of what we want so, um, our kids to enjoy. Leah, let's start talking about uh, your new podcast show because that's very exciting. Um, obviously yourself and the amazing Joe Whitten on a quirky journey, which is now on the wellness couch. Um, 
We're a little bit worried. Does, does Joe get a word in? Like, how does that work between the two of you? Oh, look, I'm really sorry, but you asked me to come and have a little chat to you guys, and I take over everything. I don't mean to. <laughs> and there's no filter. It's just, this is what it is. Hello, we love world. it. We love um, it, Leah. Keep oh, going. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, meeting Joe and working with her as a health coach and then having her come up with this idea of, of a podcast and, and trying to document her journey and what she's doing and bringing in, you know, as many empowering stories or different stories of wellness recovery. That's just, that's been just awesome. We're having the best time. Uh, it's a little hard to fit in because she's a homeschool mom and I'm a homeschool mom and, you know, fitting in around the daddy times and all that other stuff. But, you know, we're making it work and we're having a really good time at, at the same time. So, um, yeah. So, I, so Leah, tell us what, what the show is about and uh, just for, for our listeners so that's uh, right. you know, intense. So, yeah, Joe, what do you guys cover? What do we cover? Well, we didn't actually start with a plan. We just started with Joe going through GAPS. So she decided that she was going to do a GAPS protocol as part of her journey. And I've done GAPS with, um, that was part of my journey as well. So just going through that, what, what it actually is as a diet, how it makes you feel, getting ready for GAPS in the home, that's kind of been the first five episodes. And now that she's done that and she's just in a place where she's marking time and waiting for her gut to heal before she moves on to the next thing, she's been bringing in people in her um, circle of friends that have done amazing things. So we've been talking about gut healing protocols from, from other perspectives or other problems that are different from hers. And we can sort of draw the parallels between, you know, all of them, that it all comes back to the gut and, and this brain business that's going on as well, the toxicity um, and just generally how unwell people are to begin with. And until they go through some sort of crisis or trauma, that's where they need to change. And it's, yeah, just getting their stories out there as well. And hopefully their stories are going to empower change for other people, just like what we're trying to convey. Mm. And I think one of the, the key things with you guys is that you guys are, you know, relate to a lot of people simply because you guys are moms and, and you guys got kids and you, you're sharing your experiences um, yeah. from your own journeys. And I think that's it's fantastic. So what are some of the challenges that you think most parents face right now? Okay. Um, do you mean as health In terms of health, or? yeah, health challenges that they, you know, um, that they're going through. What are the, I guess, let's lay in the top three. We got about sort okay. of three minutes okay. or so. So All let's right. lay in top the top three. three. Yeah. Top three is definitely the food pyramid. People have identify that they're doing the right thing by their childrens by feeding them from a raw, like from the food pyramid. I think that's that's got to change in some way, shape, or form. You know, not not everyone can I can break down. You know, the dairy sugar shouldn't be used. Fruit is also part of a sugar. Grains for me and a macronutrient profile is also part of a sugar. So I just think that that needs to change. People need to identify that the foods that they're eating aren't real foods, that they're made in, you know, in a lab and they're constructed and they're built and designed. They didn't just grow on a tree. Um, and the more you play with something, the less nutrient dense it is. So keeping it in its whole original form as much as possible. And then I think the other thing that parents have the power to change, so they definitely have the power to change the way they look at the food pyramid and the way they feed their children. Um, and it doesn't matter on what budget. We threw a heap of money in there, but that was our choice. Um, and looking back on it, we probably didn't need to do all of that, which is why I'm trying to educate the other way and empower people to do that change. Um, yeah, and the other one is the toxic load. 
the toxic load, you know, the type of chemicals that you're using just to clean your home, things that you're experiencing, the clothes you're wearing, the furniture you're buying. Furniture, I don't know if anyone else has looked into furniture, but the new furniture, especially from, from Ikea, you know, the off-gassing and the chemicals that they use to assemble these things and, you know, they're off-gassing in the home and creating another toxin as well as being, you know, having a, a really short lifespan in general which just ends up on the rubbish dump. So, yeah, I really do think it just comes back to food choices and, you know, identifying chemicals in your home and being able to modify those incrementally, just small small changes, you know, like on a weekly basis. And, Leah, what about parents just trusting themselves? I mean, you obviously oh, had the confidence in yourself intuition. to just come out and go, hey, this information I'm getting, but I'm not I... sure that's right. I think I need to find some other stuff. You trusted yourself oh. and you went with it. Don't you think that's so important for parents? Yeah, and you know what? I reckon the chemical load has everything to do with that. I reckon that once you start to clean up your body, that anyone can hear that intuition. And I think people think with their heads too much. I think they need to bring it back to their hearts and they need to bring it back to, you know, the emotion that's tied within organs in our other systems. They're the things that animals use. They don't sit there and go, oh, well, you know, if I catch this, eat that, then I might, you know, leaving the the den, I might die. You know, like there's none of that plays into it. It's all go with your gut and those innate responses, I suppose. And once you start taking the chemicals out of your, you know, like your environment and your diet and you start concentrating on that, that little voice becomes so much stronger and you're so much more confident in, in what you've got to say and the delivery that you're going to say it in. And for anyone that's making any diet changes, if they're making them on behalf of their kids, if you go back to school and you say to them, look, my kid can't eat this and if you've got a quiver in your voice or you don't fully understand it, People pick up on it and they can, they challenge you on those things. But if you say it with, you know, conviction and that you know this is right and you know this is best for you, no one's going to challenge you on that. So I think that a lot of people just try and um, fit in and, and hide and all that is well and good. But when you're in charge of somebody that's growing and you have to stand and make an empowered choice for them, you know, like you've, you've got to find that, that innate emotion that's deep within you and you've got to bring that out and just share it with everybody because... Once you start putting your hand up, the next person goes, oh, yeah, well, you know, I could change that. I can do that. That actually makes sense. And, you know, we can start a, a ripple effect that way. Well, it's a fascinating journey. And, uh, you know, it's just so much you've gone through. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, you know, you guys can catch Leah and Joe Witten on the Quirky Journey on the Wellness Couch. Go to wellnesscouch.com. Uh, make sure you subscribe to their podcast because uh, that's how we, you know, obviously um, we track our ratings, but also in terms of uh, other, for other people to see it too as well. It's uh, You get to share that uh, from there. Um, Leah, just love to know if someone wants to get hold of you or wants to see what you're doing, what is the best website for them to contact you? Well, the easiest one is just to go to Facebook and just mm-hmm. find, just type in my name and you'll find me there. I've got quite a bit of our journey is catalogued in there, um, but I am transferring it over to our website at the moment. Uh, but there'll be links on there as well. But yeah, just touch base on, on Facebook and send me a message is probably the easiest thing. Perfect. Thank you so much, Leah. Really appreciate it for being on the Wellness Guys show. Guys, if you want, you know, check her out on Facebook while you're there. Make sure you check us out at uh, The Wellness Guys and also The Wellness Couch. Like us that on Facebook and share this podcast with your friends, families, and other strangers you think need a wellness update. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, leave us a five-star ring and leave a comment on iTunes. Until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives. Lead by example. And let's change the world health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Guys show. 
This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.